Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 67 of the Greenlight Podcast. Efrage, POC, back at it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Let's start uh, with the Blue Bloods, man. They keep bleeding. Duke season, uh, not ready to say it's over, over, but it is trending towards that direction. I think the only reason I'm saying it's not over is because the la- they've lost three good teams all by single digits. Um, so I'm not ready to say it's over. Kansas has lost three straight times for the first time since 2013. That's insane. Uh, Kentucky, we obviously have talked at great length about their struggles. They actually just got a win, so they're five and nine now. Uh, and Michigan State is two and four in the Big Ten. Um, these were the four team, or no? Were they the four teams in the Champions Classic? Uh, sure, yeah, usually. I think so. Right, so the four. I think they started the year. These were the four that we were talking about, and there's not. You know, Kansas is probably still the the leader there. I think they're going to be okay, but uh, losing three straight, obviously, never something you usually hear about Kansas. I don't know, man. I really don't see this changing. I think 2021 is just going to continue to be a rough year for the Blue Buds, and and we'll see. What do you think? I just want to take a step back and commend you for somehow shifting this to a full blue blood conversation and not the we're gonna the, get to Shashevsky. i just want to commend you for hey we're, we're gonna keep this up this is not a duke pod this is not a virginia this is a i'm a great host podcast. so and it is the thing it, i mean it's crazy i mean we said like last episode i guess we recorded about a week ago and we looked at duke's schedule and we said i mean like who have they really beaten and one and then two who have they like who do they have up next and like you said, it was Pittsburgh and Louisville on the road, two tough games. Um, they need to be at least one and one. Um, they come away zero and two. Now they've got they've got a couple they, they've got a couple home games, but they're not easy. Like that's that's what's crazy to me is like Georgia Tech is actually very good. I'll give them a lot of credit. Like very offensively, number one, they're averaging like eighty points a game, leading the ACC. Clemson was good, and who knows? Like we'll get to them. Who knows? Like they have just their brain has been broken because they're a completely different team since by 10 days ago. Um, but it's, it's a weird spot because at least in our lifetimes, Duke has never been like bad. Really Duke's never been really even you'd say mediocre. They've always been good. Kentucky like has had those times where they've, you'd say like under Billy Gillespie, then you've had uh, up, more ups and downs. 
um, as consistent. Michigan State, I don't know if anyone really saw. Like at one point, I thought they would be serious, like heads head, not head and shoulders above the Big Ten because you've got so many good teams, but a lock to be like a top four seed. Yeah, here they are, and and who and then Kansas three straight for the first time since twenty thirteen. Yep. I, I of all those four, I'm interested in you, Jake. Who do you have of those four? Who do you have the most confidence in? But it's turning it around, ending up with the best season of all of them. Like, obviously, Michigan State, Kansas, those are probably still in better places than UK and Duke are already. But if by the end of it, if you're looking at those four teams, who would you say you have confidence in having the best season? To me, it's Kansas. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Big 12 is probably – well, maybe the ACC. But, you know, I, I don't think the Big 12 is all that – well – it's tough to say. I mean, the Big Ten is better than the Big 12, in my opinion, this year. Yeah. So I don't want to pick Michigan State strictly because of that. And we're going to get into um, a couple of Big Ten uh, updates here, too. But I, I would say Kansas. They're still 10-5. and five. And all you know, three of those losses, now. to be fair, all three of their losses were on the road at top 40 Ken Palm teams. So it was at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Which where they that's that's one I feel like they always trick because that's – isn't that – Bill Self is an Oklahoma State guy. It's like almost – it's like – his donation to the uh, the Cowboy Fund every year is just like here you go here's a here's a here's a nice little win. Um, Baylor, there's no shame in an eight point road loss to Baylor. Baylor is no. like I still think Gonzaga is a tier by themselves, but Baylor is right there. If anybody's close to him, it's Baylor. And then Oklahoma yep. on the road, like you said, like Oklahoma is twenty second in Ken Palm. They lose by seven. Like they're not a bad team. I mean, they're Oklahoma's only losses are to Baylor and who they beat Baylor, Kansas, um, Texas tech, and then Xavier. So like, I don't think that's a bad loss considered compared to maybe some of the other teams that have, but it'll be interesting because they've got Kansas has coming up next. I was going to uh, say, when you look at their next three games, you, you would think they go 3-0. and You would think they go 3-0 in their next three. The only three. one that's going to be – and this is – and honestly, I know they're not a blue blood, but we can kind of throw in this conversation, is Tennessee and what's going on. Yeah. Because now we get the – it's the SEC Big 12 Challenge or whatever they call it is next weekend, which will be really interesting to see, one, if all those games actually happen because now we're intercrossing conferences and all the different – it's like, is it necessary? Like, I feel like some teams will be quicker to – to cancel and pull out of those if it's not needed. But, I mean, Tennessee, we sat here last time and we said, I think, what, what were they? They were 10-1. and one. I believe they were sixth in Ken Palm at the time. And then they yep. lost. They got smoked at Florida, 75-49. Yeah, that was crazy. at home to Missouri. And so, and then they get a little rebound game against Mississippi State. Um, they play home against Mississippi State. And then they stay home against Kansas. So that's that matchup is really, really interesting for me from a team that's like, You've got guys that are two like top tier teams that are on a two or three game losing streak. They get like a one little one game kind of regroup, which you would think, um, and then they'll they'll show off. And it's it's a it's a non conference matchup, but I think that's going to be on both those teams, Kansas and Tennessee. Not necessarily saying that that their season's over, or it, but it's a big trajectory game of okay, are we going to stay? Are we going to be able to turn this around, or are we on it on a full on downturn? Um, yep. But yep. it'll be interesting. I don't know. Kansas, I don't look at their Ken Palm numbers, offensive and defensive. There's one area that's like stands out. They're 19th offensively and 20th defensively. So, like, I don't – it's not like there's there's a, a huge – I mean, Tennessee, I think, is the opposite. I think Tennessee is like, yeah, the third best defense, but 57th best offense. And I say you're only scoring 49 points at Florida. You're scoring 64 at home against Missouri. 
that worries me a little bit, but I, I agree with you. I think of all those to circle back Kansas, I have probably the most confidence in of any of those teams uh, by the end of the season and, and probably Michigan state too. Um, but the big, and, and we'll say it, big 10 is just an absolute, like anybody we've said it and it's so cliche, anybody can beat anybody. You don't really know what's yeah, going Yeah. It's insane. I mean, that, and that's a good transition. Like, they just continue to eat themselves alive. So IU beats Iowa, which, look, I, I think Indiana is a good team. I just didn't see that coming. Ohio State then beats Wisco, which, like, you know, that's not like an upset, I would say. But still, you know, I mean, I, I probably would have bet Wisconsin there. And then Maryland beats Minnesota. And I definitely yeah. didn't have that. Um, yeah. And like you said before we got on here, like, Minnesota is just one of those teams. And I just feel like they always have been one of those teams under Patino. Like, we have no clue what's going to happen with them. Yeah, but it, it really don't. I mean, you look at it, it, like you said, it was in every other thing. I mean, it was and, – and we talked, I think, probably a couple episodes ago about just their schedule of how – I think they had, like, five of their next six were against, like, top 20 teams. And they basically come out of that, I think, with that's starting with – so if you look at this last stretch, so Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan. So that was a stretch of one, two, three, four, five teams in the top 15. They ended two and three. If I'm Minnesota, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Going two and three against all top 15 teams, Iowa and Michigan both being top five, you can get one win against Michigan, one against Ohio State. I, I don't know. And that's one of the things when we go back to, like, everyone where it is Patino, it seems like he's one that's consistently on the hot seat. Like He always he, does enough, though. He <laughs> does, but it's kind of like Clemson basketball. It's like, what is your expectation as a fan? And – like, do you really like? Can, do you is Minnesota? Are they trying to be Wisconsin? Are you trying to be Michigan State? Are you trying to be a blue blood? Or like, is this good for Minnesota basketball? I I, I go back and forth. Yeah, and to me, I think this is good. I think this is fine. I mean, you're ranked in the top twenty-five. They're going to make the tournament. You're in the hunt in the Big Ten. You're probably going to go five hundred. We've always you said. I mean, it's over really... Iowa against Michigan. Ohio, so like they'll get those will get you in as long as you go yep. to the tournament and you're flirting it with a Sweet Sixteen every so, once in a while, like fantastic that, that, I think that's fine I don't know if it's I don't know I guess the heat for that for him has been I'm sure part of it's just been the personality and the the family side but the other and like they Minnesota's had we've talked about so much how they've had so many good basketball players they've gotten good kids from Minnesota but they haven't gotten like the the Gary Trent juniors they haven't gotten the top 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 guys like uh, yeah. um the, the kid now Chet uh Chet Holmgren it looks like might actually go to Gonzaga, which would be really scary if he doesn't go to Duke. That would be terrifying. But that's one. It's like okay, but even if it's the same argument we had with Illinois and Gross, like is Illinois really ever going to get the Jaleel Okafors? Are they ever going to get the um, uh, Jabari Parkers? It's yep. it, those are probably always going to be blue blood guys, and so you have to set realism for yourself as a fan. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Wanted to give some mid-majors uh, some love. Want to talk about Eastern Kentucky. Off to a 12-2 and two start, best since 1947, which is somewhat insane. So shout out to A.W. Hamilton. If you don't know the story about him, um, longtime Hargrave military coach. And uh, has been at Eastern Kentucky for three or four years now. But then back in the summer, released a pretty emotional video of what he thought was going to be a routine trip. He was just going to a physical for a doctor's office. Um, and the doctor saw a mole behind his um, ear, uh, referred him to a dermatologist. And what he, again, thought was pretty routine, just removed the, the mole, actually turned uh, into, um, I believe it was stage two melanoma. 
And so, you know, went from zero to a hundred very quickly. Um, obviously he's okay now, had to get very extensive surgery um, on the back of it, like right behind his ear. Um, like didn't tell his team for a couple months, finally told him like last July. And so, uh, you know, the, the outpouring of support has been tremendous. He's done a ridiculously good job turning that program around. Yeah. Um, so just want to give a little mid-major shout out to him, man. Yeah, I've, I've always heard good things about him. Yeah, I, I have as well, and, and from you, and I'm looking at I haven't watched them, but looking at their numbers, they're playing the sixth quickest tempo of any team in the country. 15th yeah, possession, like offensively, 10th defensively. They're second in the country in steal percentage, uh, sixth in the country in turnover percentage. So they're playing lightning quick on offense, and they're turning guys over, which is like fun basketball. If you're playing pressure defense, you're watching everyone. We get the, the that video every year that all the coach, we're going to play fast, we're going to play fast, we're going to do they are the definition of playing fast. So it'll be, they're 13-2, and 7-1 in the uh, OVC. It seems like it's, it'll be between them and Belmont with maybe Murray State sprinkled in. I mean, Belmont is, Belmont's 16-1 and in 10-0. and I mean, is there – and Kate, I know that, that was when Rick Bird retired. It was an interesting one. Everyone was like, okay, who's going to take over? I know they, they hired Casey Alexander, who was at Lipscomb, and just basically, I think, stayed in the same house, just moved over. And there has been zero drop-off at all between what, what Belmont has done consistently as one of the top-tier mid-major programs to now. I mean, 16-1, their only loss is to Samford, um, which isn't a great loss early in the season. Now, they haven't played any big-time teams. I think their best wins are like George Mason, Murray State. But they are projected there, which no one's talking about this. They're 16-1, and 10-0, and they are projected – to win every single game the rest of their season via Kim Palm. They're only, cl- only games that have lower than like 80% um, win probability are Murray State and, and Eastern Kentucky. So it's, it's just not being talked about. Like the, I don't know if it's because like it's just been a weird season and no one's really talking. Like that there's another team that like obviously Gonzaga, we talked about, or can they go undefeated? Can they go undefeated? I mean – if they win out one, two, three, four, five, if they win their next like 10 games, like, and they finish 27 and one and 20 and zero in the conference, like, I feel like no one's really talking about it, but it's, uh, there's definitely some really good mid-major teams and the Mac too. I don't know how much you've watched, but like Toledo, Kent state was an absolute battle. Akron, um, Toledo the other night was an absolute battle. Um, it, it, there's some really good mid-major basketball. It's just a parody that we have year after year now. Yep. No doubt. Um, all right, let's get into some conference talk before we talk about uh, two current college players uh, having – or I'm sorry, two current college coaches, one former player um, involved in the Duke UNC. Uh, we're going to get to Stackhouse and Coach K in a bit. But before that, let's talk about some conference realignment. We'll start with the Pac-12. Uh, they're parting ways with Larry Scott. Um, to be honest with you, you know – if you listen to this, like we don't talk too much about the Pac-12. Um, no. We just don't do it. We don't watch too much of it. Like literally last episode, we, we literally had, we had to say like, man, we got to talk about USC. Like they won six in a row. Boom. And then we talked about them and they lost classic. Um, but uh, so they part ways with him. He, he came on in 2009 and I was actually reading a little bit about it. He did a, he did a pretty good job in terms of increasing their revenue. So they gave yeah. him some props with that, but like it was kind of a backhanded compliment of, 
he increased the revenue for the entire league, but like everybody's revenue increased. So yeah. they, he signed a 12 year deal, a media rights deal back in 11, I think. So it's, it's coming to an end here soon. Um, I, you know, they, they talked about how the, the blunder of the, their own network, like that never really scaled the way they wanted it to. And um, I don't know, like to me, it's tough for me to like sit here and be like, Oh, he did a bad, bad job as a commissioner. Like, I, you know, I don't really know enough about it to really judge it, but I know yeah. that people wanted him out by the end of his time. Yeah. And I remember it's funny because the reason why I wanted to talk about this, I remember this was probably, uh, I see an article now, August 27th, 2020, but this was one of the big, and I think I read about it maybe a year ago. Um, one of the big things that they talk about, yeah, they, they brought in a ton of money, but they are so frivolous and spending that money too. Um, if you look, so they, he moved, this was in a report from November, 2018, updated February, 2019, um, conducted a deep dive in the reign of Larry Scott and his ways of doing business. Um, their headquarters, he moved their headquarters from basically the suburbs, like Bay area suburbs to downtown San Francisco. And obviously, if you know, like probably top three, I would say New York, San Francisco, like especially downtown, the most expensive places in terms of real estate. Um, by comparison, SEC is headquartered, and, and we talked about SEC and Big Ten's revenues were way more. Like, he did grow those, but theirs was substantial. By comparison, SEC's headquarters are in a 25-year-old two-story building in Birmingham, Alabama. Rent cost the conference $318,000 a year. The Big Ten, primary home is in Chicago. They have a satellite office in New York. Annual rent, $1.5 million. The Pac-12 conference, headquarters cost the conference $6.9 million in rent, the last reported fiscal year, and they're also carrying $11.7 million in deferred rent. And so it says, yeah, so essentially- What's the deferred rent from? Their old office space? I guess, or they've just pushed it back. Like, they're like, hey, we can't, so this is all essentially coming back and it's like talking about, because um, they had let go of some people and deferred rent and all these things. And it's, um, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And it, all these tweets, I mean, ESPN people saying it makes no sense in the first place, irresponsible, keep flushing exorbitant rent money down the toilet could benefit in a city. It's like the ACC's headquarters are in Greensboro, North Carolina, the big 10 is at Rosemont. Um, the Mac obviously being in Cleveland, Sunbelt, New Orleans at like the big 12 is in Irving, Texas. Like there's no reason you need to be downtown San Francisco. Like, and so that, for me, that, that was kind of my takeaway from Larry Scott's reign. It was like, he was trying to, and, and he came from, I think, the Women's Tennis Association where he did landmark deals. Like, he wanted him to be this big, like, corporation, essentially. And it's great. You have the Pac-12 network, but I'd say of all the, like, networks and the deals, it's, it's the most forgotten about. It's the lead, like, whatever, whoever does come in, and which is interesting. I don't know if you saw some of the candidates they've been, they've talked about. Yeah. But, Whoever, uh, whoever does come in, I think the biggest thing is now, obviously maybe this does upset the fans, but you need more games to be kind of prime time, like actual watchable East coast television, in my opinion. And I, yep. because yep. whether that's like, in, you give a deal, whether it's maybe it is a 5 PM West coast tip and you sacrifice some of that, but like, especially now it's like, get it on at seven, eight o'clock not 10 PM yep. on a Tuesday night. Because after yep. I watch, I'm not watching a third game. Like if I watch two ACC games, I'm not going to stay up to watch a third Pac-12 game. No, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I saw the potential candidates. Gene, Gene, Gene Smith from Ohio State. Yep. yep. Um, well, like to me, like 
what's a, what's a bigger, more important job in college athletics, the AD at Ohio State or the commissioner of the Pac-12? I actually think there's like a very valid argument that you could say Gene Smith has a more important job right now. Yeah, I think there's like a handful. You could say like Ohio State, Texas, maybe Al- yeah, Alabama to a degree. I mean, but Alabama, like there's a few, yeah, I mean. even like uh, I'd give a Michigan. Um, and then obviously you look at like a, some of the well-around, like a Stanford, like Bernard Muir, like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one too. It's like, do you want to be like the Stanford AD and be like the figurehead of like the top program that wins national championships across the board? Or do you want to put yeah. yourself in the mix and have to deal with, no, knock it like Arizona State or Arizona, but they're not like prestigious institutions in terms of like all yep. across the board. Um, and yep. so it'll be interesting to see where they like what direction they go. I know the other name they thrown out there is Oliver Luck. Uh, now that yeah. the um, XFL is essentially done, and I mean he had a lot of success at West Virginia. His name was being threatened with with the NCAA. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go, but I think their biggest focus needs to be. Like, they're, I think their TV deal's up in 2024, but maybe it is taking less money, you're taking less revenue, but it's finding a way to align them that's more seriously tied in with all the other Power Five. Because it's really, I feel like they're just on an island by themselves. Across yeah, all. No doubt. Yeah. Um, more, we might as well, we, I don't think we got to talk about this last week. If we did, let me know. But um, more, uh, more ADs on the move. Duke, uh, Kevin White is retiring. And then Danny White at UCF is going to Tennessee. Going to be pretty crazy to be a new AD at Duke and then hire Coach K's replacement at some point in the next, you know, I won't say one, but two to five years. I, I have no idea when he's going to retire, but that's going to be a pretty crazy thing. Otherwise at Duke, like, I don't know. What what are the pressing issues? Uh, what do you really need to do? Just keep fundraising and that's it? I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because everyone kind of, it's always been, it's like, okay, what is, uh, what's Kevin White's decision? Like how, how is he going to play this role? And like, we've joked like, okay, let K success or let K choose the first one. And then he's going to loop it and bring his son in. Like, I don't, I, I don't think I didn't realize like how old he necessarily was or he would even was thinking about retirement. Like I, I just never, I always figured he was going to be the guy to like, essentially make the call for Kent, but it's an interesting one. And um, especially too, because with the ACC commissioner spot, or ACC commissioner, John Swafford retiring at the end of the year. So there've been talks of, okay, yep. maybe he would step into that. And, and so it is, and it comes back to the thing too, is like, is what is a, is the ACC commissioner more prestigious than the Duke AD? I, I, that one's where I would probably lean still. I, I, I think ACC. But, but it is like, I don't know. It's what we the same almost the same argument we talked about with like who's going to be the next coach. It's like it's an almost impossible win situation. Same yeah. with AD. It's like if if things go bad, it's like oh well, it wasn't bad before he was here, and yep. so it will be really interesting to see where that goes. But and then Danny, I, I think um, that was a great hire by Tennessee. Um, what he's done at UCF across the board has been obviously on the football side. The basketball yep. side having a lot of success under Johnny Dawkins. Um, been really good. And, um, it, yeah, it, Tennessee needed, I think, well, more so on the football side. They needed a revamp. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see him come in. Yeah, no doubt. All right, last thing on conference realignment, the Western Athletic Conference, uh, the WAC, is adding four Texas schools. A little interesting, but uh, we, you know, a decade ago all gave up uh, any sort of geographical um, – importance when we did a conference realignment so they're adding four texas schools abilene christian lamar sam houston state and stephen f austin uh and bringing back football 
you know, I don't know how many times these small conferences need to hide behind uh, football will make us money. Football will save the day. Football will do this. Like, it's just like not true. And it doesn't work. Um, you know, nobody cares about Abilene Christian football or Lamar. Fo- like, I, listen, man, yeah. they just don't. You know, and, I, I don't and never this is understand. the conference who they just added, like Tarleton State just came up from Division Two, two right? Yeah. yeah. They're new. Dixie State. Um, so right now, like, it's an interesting mix already because it's Grand Canyon, which I think is by, they're the best in the conference. They're 10 and three overall. Utah Valley, UT Rio Grande Valley, which is a, which is a Texas already. So Cal Baptist, New Mexico State, which should be like one of the top teams. Chicago State, which we've said before, they're trying to get out of Division One. They think they don't take athletics seriously at all because it's just pours it. They've already opted out of their season, I think. Or mm-hmm. and they got um, Seattle, Tarleton State, Dixie State. So it looks like they are shifting more of like more of Texas. Like now that they'll have Dixie yeah. State, Tarleton, um, UT Rio Grande Valley, and then four Texas. That makes it seven Texas schools. Um, but it's interesting, like if you're Seattle and you're making every road trip, and it's the same with like the Mac, you're making every road trip down to Texas. Like yeah. what, not what that does for football or not what that does for basketball, but like you're sending your soccer team, you're sending your baseball and softball time. Like isn't that has to be a net negative for the university and for the athletic department. There's no yes. way the benefit can be that, that positive. Yeah, and I don't know if you mentioned this just now or earlier, but Chicago State is leaving at the end of 2022. So yeah. that it'll actually, you know, in terms of like geography, it'll look a little better. But yeah, you're right. Like California and then Seattle being in there, it's just like, what are, what are we doing? And I feel like a school like Grand Canyon like has dreams of like moving into like a West Coast conference. And then not, I don't think they're a Pac-12 school, but I think the WCC, it's like Grand Canyon's got all this money. They put so much behind basketball. Um, and it'll be interesting. It seems like this is shifting to just being like a, like a, a smaller Texas football conference where basketball is not as, as, as important at all. So, yeah. All right. Let's get in to the actual thing we wanted to talk about for this whole half hour. Um, listen, man, coach, this is my take. Coach K. You, got, you, take, is, you have the floor. You have the floor. I want to hear Coach K is rapidly, rapidly becoming his mentor, Bobby Knight. Rapidly. Which I have. It's good. It's a good analogy. I mean, not analogy, but it it, it makes sense. Rapidly. That was a Bob Knight response. It was unprovoked. First of all, it was a completely fine question. Yeah. The kid didn't ask anything. He asked, what do you do now? You're five and five. What are you looking at? It was a non, it was nothing. It was just a boring journalist question. There was like nothing to it. And so I think my man, he, he's embracing uh, the old curmudgeon. I've been doing this for 40 years. Uh, Bobby Knight mentality. He just doesn't care anymore. It's not a good look. Um, I don't get it by any means. But I, I think that's what I that's what I came to. I was like, you know what? Then I was watching all old Bobby Knight ones, and he's got just hysterical interview questions and answers. Oh so that's, it that's also it, reminds I think it's like a Bayheim similarity too. Yeah. I can see Bayheim just saying curmudgeon. Just an old curmudgeon, man. That's it. I don't that's I it. don't get so I, yeah. I had no problem I have no problem with the question. I, I, I think I just want to know like what his response would if like Jeff Goodman asked that or Andy Katz asks that or like anyone else. It's like, are you just, I, and that's only obviously you can say, were you taking the time to like 
I say pick on a, a student reporter because you didn't like the question or like what what would have his response have been to like if Jeff Goodman like yes it's like oh Jeff like you got if your podcast got low rating like what I don't ever see him asking anything about like a network or like calling out anything like that but it's one of those things where I think over the years we've kind of seen too he's K is especially from the outside has gotten this look of how he'll he'll take that time to like be the guy to, to set that take that best player off to the side in the handshake line and like give them a lesson or like t- tell them a lesson things like that and it's like he was doing that with his own students like it's weird it was just a weird move just as weird it also made me think back to when the students were chanting at capel last year and he just lost his mind and it's like I, he just thinks he's like the godfather <laughs> like holier than thou like person at duke and it's like, why, why in the world do you have to like take it out on this kid? It, all my, and my canned response to that is, you know what? We get to practice tomorrow. We work. We get better. We focus on, um, we focus on uh, Georgia Tech on Monday. It's like it's the Bill yeah. Belichick. It's like we're on to Cincinnati. It's like so it's all, simple. It's that simple. So but simple. this is the one thing I bring to you is this is the first time, at least in my lifetime, I've seen one not like Duke people. Not everyone like defend K completely. But then also just not – Duke just isn't, isn't really good. So, it's no. like – And even, even when you go back to 2016, when the last time they lost three in a row, they were still like 13 and four. You know, they had a really good non-conference. They had good players. And they were okay by the end of the season. This feels somewhat hopeless. Like, they're – every time they take the floor on offense, it's – a tr- it, both sides of the floor are bad. They can't score the ball. Their offense is so stagnant. No, There's no shooting. Nobody can shoot. And defensively, they had to have – they've literally gone to like a 1-2-2 slash like 3-2 zone. I mean, they like – that's where we're at. Um, so, it's not great. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with scholarships in terms of what the NCAA allows. I know that they have not come out and said they're extending past 13. Yeah. So, to me, that means Joey Baker's gone. Wendell Moore's gone. I know um, Jordan is uh, graduating. And they, I think they have four guys signed. So, they still need to get rid of one guy. If nobody is- like, and it goes back like that. Remember how weird – well, like, out of the blue, the Jordan Goldwire, like, commitment and everything was. It was like a three-star kid who was going to go to Mercer. And then Duke comes in. And it's like – I'm not saying that's like coming back to like haunt them or like doing it, but like they no, really I don't know they have I another. I don't know if they have another option. Like that's the thing. It's like he's been better than like some of the guys that like these five stars. And you just and it's what's so odd about like this. Like Duke and Kentucky, you would say are the two schools that have recruited the most blue bloods have had the or most blue chip recruits have had the most overturn every year after year. And right yeah. now, it's like both of them are hitting like I don't know if it's just like talent pool if it's just like it's catching up to them, but yeah. both of them, like, I'm going to say the wheels are falling off, but we just haven't seen this. Like, they've just been able to at least get past on talent. Um, and it is really odd. The fact, yeah, you're going to play in a weird zone. You're not – they don't really run sets. Like, they haven't they really since – do anything. They haven't since the Zion team. Like, we've talked about that. It was like – like, they don't run anything. And it's just kind of gotten to a weird point. I don't think fans would ever, ever, like, push K out. But you're getting no. to the point where they're like that was that's not never gonna happen. But you're getting to the point where people are like getting like annoyed and agitated. It's like, what are we doing? Like we never really got that before. So no, no. And what sucks too is like, man, well, I, I know that nobody got it last year, but like literally two years in a row, we're not gonna see Duke in the NCAA tournament. Like that's just like a weird 
I, and I know last year doesn't really count, but still, it's just like a weird thing to say out loud. Like, wow, two years in a row, we're not going to see it. And it comes uh, back, what do you say in the summer? He, just, he wanted everyone to, he goes, everyone everybody to get in, baby. Everybody gets in. It's like, oh, he, he just, maybe he just knew ahead of time that like, let's just cover our bases here. So like, it would be tough. Yeah. He's, it's just never, it would be tough. I, I do. in like the back of my mind, I, maybe it's just because we've never seen it. I think Duke finds a way to get in. Like, I think they get, they rattle off wins, but it is going to be tough. Like, it is going to be tough. I, I, I just mean, if they get in, they're going to be a 14 seed. I will say, and this is, and I don't hate Duke as much as I hate a Carolina or Maryland. If they have the NIT, it would be incredible to have a 2021 NIT champs banner hanging in Cameron. That Yo, would be- well, one, I don't think he would hang it. I don't think no, he would hang it. I don't, two, think, I don't think I don't think they can win the NIT. That's number two. Uh, <laughs> but number three, I would love for them to do it. I would just that would just be so cool. Be like, oh my god, let's see Duke get in the NIT. That, that would be unbelievable. Um, all right, anytime um, it's always good when a Duke guy messes up uh, to see a UNC guy mess up even more. Jerry Stackhouse, my man. Um, haven't seen a coach throw players under the bus like this in a long time. Not, it's definitely happened. Um, you know, but the quote, so t- a couple things happened with Jerry Stackhouse. The first one, uh, he threw his team under the bus. So he, the quote is, we've got to clean some things up, got to find some guys who want to play basketball. Right now, we got some guys that don't want to play no damn basketball. We've got to figure that out. Sooner rather than later, I'd rather go with just young guys. And then he mentions a player, Akeem, and those guys give them a chance. We've got guys who have been here for four or five years and played 20 minutes and got one offensive rebound and one defensive rebound. We can't win any games like that. We've got to find some guys that want to play. Now, look, man, like, I'm kind of like back and forth on this because I do think I, I don't think you should throw college players under the bus ever. I, I I'm not really advocating for that. I'm not advocating you should even do it to pros, but sometimes you're out of motivation as a coach. You've probably, he's probably tried a million things to try and get these guys going and he has reached his level of frustration and he took it out in a bad way. So I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. I'm just saying some coaches may say, you know what, I'm going to see what this does. I'm going to, say this to the media or throw this quote out there and see what they think. Now, if I'm a player, I'm probably reading that like, you know, F you coach, but I'm just saying other coaches have done it. It hasn't really gone well and, and we'll see. And then we haven't even gotten to the, the tweets. That's what I was going to say, DMs. which is from November. Like it's not even a new thing. It's just like, now it's like turning. But the, the thing that's there is me is like, that was a weird situation. Anyways, it was an AD. Like this is what shows you like the power of an AD and like bringing like people because was it is Bryce Drew correct that was there before he was only got like three years I think he had like a really bad year but like he got three or four and was like it seemed like a quick trigger and then bringing in someone that wasn't a natural fit but it was like all right we're gonna go the Penny Hardaway route of like we're gonna bring an NBA guy to recruit kids and it never seemed like Jerry Stackhouse is like wanted to be at wanted to be at Vanderbilt like wanted to be a college coach it's like I need this to then get my my uh my, my NBA job but I want to read that this is, and, and you know, that I feel like the Vanderbilt fans, and even it's, at least it's Vanderbilt. Like, can you imagine if this was like even a school like Arkansas or Florida, right? They yeah. really care, like, sincerely care about it. Not saying that they don't, but like, yeah. it's probably the lowest here. This is the tweet. Just a bigger school. So, this is from November, uh, November 27th. Uh, just, a, I guess it was a fan. Um, and it just shows kind of how he's in over his head, but. Um, someone he replied he sent it I guess he the guy must have tweeted something himself and then Jerry Stackhouse DMs him said your life must be miserable dot 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 the guy responds his fans 
Not sure if you noticed last year, but you need more passionate fans, not less. Love what you're trying to build. I think you can appreciate people that like to win. Congrats and good luck next week. And Jerry Stackhouse. Which was, which was like a, hey, that was a very, like, well-balanced, well – like, that was a good response. Yeah. And I don't I, – I really do want to know the context, like, maybe what the guy tweeted that made him st- step out and, and DM that. But he, then Jerry Stackhouse responds by saying, that's bullshit. Real fans support the build and not knee-jerk on every possession. I'd rather you just tell me to kiss your ass rather than at me with all the we back stack bullshit than spend the whole game bemoaning about kids – that some have never played a college game and others that haven't played a game since March. Like you said, do us all a favor and just wait for baseball. Fake-ass fan, which they have a great baseball yeah. You call them that. So. And he, the guy responds saying, real fans have watched the basketball and football programs be absolutely destroyed over the past five years. We used to win around here, Jerry, and I'll be around – we used to win. Kevin Stallings, shout out. Um, so we used to win around here, Jerry, and I'll be around long after you bolt to the NBA or G League. I'll continue cheering for your success and sincerely think you do a good job. Um, fans will be fans. I'd recommend ignoring Twitter. Very measured, very fair response. response. Especially after the, your head men's basketball coach calls you a fake ass fan. Like you could be like, no, like I, like he was very, it seems calm, cool, collected, like very mature type response. He's in Jerry Stackhouse ends by replying, hopefully in this short time of getting to know me that I could care less about recommendations from you all, the other fake ass fans like you. Unfortunately for you, I'm not going anywhere, and I have a memory like an owl when you and other fake-ass fans jump on bandwagon here shortly. I have film to watch, so I'll let you get back to your miserable-ass life. Enjoy. Yeah. Like, like who I'm are on the, I'm on the fan side. I'm on the fan side, man. I, I am, too. I, I, I mean, don't think he's said anything crazy. Tony Bennett doesn't even have Twitter. Now, I get that's like – like, but, like, I, can you imagine – like, I'm trying to think of, like – any other coach that might do that, like even Cal, as outspoken as Cal is, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's doing that. Ever turn on, especially an individual fan, like say that type of thing. Like, no. it, it, I don't no. know. It, it, we're in a new world. We're in a new age, and that's like you. You are connected with people more than we ever were. Talk, talk about your Mets. Talk about your Mets owner, man. That oh. dude tweets every day. Yeah, it's yeah awesome. I like, like it. I'm sure it's, it's gonna awesome. catch up to him. Like it'll catch. Like it'll like he also like exactly when all this stuff with the GM happened. Okay, it's like he can't stay now. Okay, if you're out there on Twitter, you can't stay silent on this. So with that, if you're gonna be out there, then you have to then accept. Like if you're gonna be out there and mixing up with people, you have to accept the criticism. Exactly. If you're calling people fake ass fans, they have every right to call you a bum ass coach. In my opinion. Yep. So. Yep. All right, let's end with this. Um, one out of every four college coach that has been polled does not want to play conference tournaments. Uh, you know, I wish the outrage for this was the same for Coach K three months ago saying, hey, can we take a look at this? Jesus Christ. Uh, no outrage there. Everybody's in agreement. We sh- Not everybody's in agreement, but there's no way we can play a conference tournament because we continue to ask the question, and it's specifically, like, let's say uh, it's not Virginia, Florida State in the, in the championship. Let's say Duke needs to win and they're playing, um, who cares, Notre Dame. Both teams need to win. They're in the ACC championship conference tournament and they need to win to get in. And one of them gets COVID. What the hell happens? Yeah. They can't delay it. No. It's just like, even when we say right now with all, like, with NFL, we, everyone's like, oh, with Patrick Mahomes and pushbacks, like, what if, if Patrick Mahomes – gets COVID like three days before the Super Bowl. Do you push that? Like, if you, They're throwing the test in the trash is what yeah. they're doing. Like, can you imagine, like Gonzaga, as good as they are, if something like the WCC, like if they – you throw them into the WCC tournament, which they don't need to win, they don't even need to be in it, and someone – like they have a little bubble and something slips by and maybe like a 
like a, I don't even know a, a bad team. Right? I'm t- I mean, they're all pretty, pretty poor. But like say a St. Mary's, there's a bunch of St. Mary's players like test positive and they, it's contact tracing and someone then Gonzaga gets it and it derails their season. That, I mean, it, it, it's I don't very- really, I don't get why we can't just push the NCAA tournament back two weeks and a lot like what, and maybe I'm missing something, but what is the rush? I don't know the rush. I mean, and once again, We've says Rick Pitino seems to be right along. He wanted May Madness, like push the season back, push like even now. Okay, let's give a buffer zone because there's no way that all these teams are completing their regular seasons. There's no way that we're going to have all the tournaments. And so there isn't, there's not going to be a fair, even playing field of getting in anyways, of like a level evaluation. Um, and, and so what is the, yeah, I mean, outside of just TV and I guess the everything being locked in, it, it, I'd rather give, yeah, give a two week buffer so you can figure things out, have like fall through plans, plan B, plan C, plan D, instead of just like, nope, this is what we're locked into. Okay. Maybe this team plays eight conference games. This team plays 17, throw them all in together, see what happens. Like yep. it, the foresight we've had a year, like we're coming around to basically almost a year of everything shutting down and not having an NCAA tournament. Yet, I feel like, I mean, and we don't all see it on the outside. I feel like we have almost just as much of a plan right now to handle the NCAA tournament and these conference tournaments as we did. Now, like the ACC, they moved it from D.C. to Greensboro, which I guess, like, makes sense because you're not playing. But in the the grand scheme, wouldn't it just be better to, okay, yeah, do that, and then also, like, move things around or, like, figure out a way? I I don't know. It's yep. it's a weird spot, and then the CAA, like what we, we talked about before, is what they're and they're playing back. To, everyone's playing back to backs the rest of the way. It's like yeah, we're just gonna like JMU Northeastern on Saturday, JMU Northeastern on Sat or on Sunday, um, which yep. it, it sucks. Like you're you're paying back. I guess you're you're playing two games at one place, but like I said, there's no fans anyways. It's not right. Get your games in. Get them in. Get your Get games. Them in. Let the kids play. Yep. Roll the balls out. Yep. Let the kid. Let the kids report. Let them go to yeah, that's class. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your major, dude? Unbelievable. The memes yeah, kids have- pay- and what's the kid? The kid's paying, what, probably $50,000 a year to go to school there. And, like, to get to get chirped by, like, the – I mean, yeah, he, I, he, he's got to be stunned. Like, I saw – I looked at him. I saw on Twitter. He's, like – he tweeted, like, it wasn't – that wasn't the, the response I was expecting my first, co- like, question asking, like, Coach K. Like, yeah. oh, know. man. Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to say, all right, well, that's, that's – yeah. Thinking of – if people haven't seen this, they need to go look it up because I really thought this was a fake, like, Photoshop doctored banner, like the Knicks ones of, like, oh, traded Christos Porzingis for a first-round draft pick. In that same reign of Duke putting up an NIT banner, can we talk about that Florida State hung a banner? They hung two banners. They hung an ACC Champs banner from 2019, and they also hung a oh. banner. That says NCAA canceled, and then underneath number four final ranking 2020. Come on, what are we? There is no. It just it just says in big letters NCAA canceled, banner number four. Um, it, it, I mean, it truly is unbelievable. I, I I don't know how we're at this point, but um, think of the banners. Think imagine the banners we can we can hang after this year. Like, what are we doing? Like. Oh my 2020, God. 2021 COVID uh, college basketball participation banner. 
like Vanderbilt's going to hang a banner. Uh, basically, fans take over. Fans chirp Jerry Stackhouse on Twitter and get a new coach. Like what? Like that? We're, we're 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 setting the bar pretty low. Of, like we finished number four in a season that got canceled. Congratulations. Yeah, and it's and it's not even like you finished number one. Like I'm not saying I would ever advocate to hang a banner in a canceled season, even if I finished number one. But you finished number four. It's like you're not even number one. And they hung it with an ACC title banner, which like they get. Which when we look back, that is one of the weirdest the regular scenes. season. Right? Cancel. They won the regular season, but then they gave because they canceled the tournament and Florida State was there. They basically because the ACC doesn't deem the regular season oh, as their title. Oh my God, I remember they they is, awarded them, and they were like, "All right, come on out! Like we're canceling the tournament." They're like Florida State, here, come on out! Here's the trophy because it doesn't. Like I said, Virginia had won all these regular seasons, and it wasn't technically a title. And so, but they're like, "All right, well, since yeah. we're not having it, here's the title." And they had them come out. Like everything's done, Florida State. Here you go. Okay, then hang that ACC championship banner. And you're, it's fine. That's probably the best achievement that Leonard Hamilton could have. Now it looks like this big joke NCAA canceled number four final ranking. Virginia could throw up, finished on a what nine game winning streak or something like that. Like, the longest ever reigning champions. Still there. Still there. All right. Well, that's it for us. Episode 67. That was a good one. We'll be back uh, in a week or so. And uh, until then, keep the ball bouncing. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.